So if I read scripture right this morning, there should be some high-fiving or some knuckling or some rejoicing and some gladness among the body of believers right now. Because yes. it, just, it just says in 1 Thessalonians that we encourage each other with that truth and that hope that is deeply immersed within us that Christ will return and he will carry his body of believers, the followers of Jesus Christ home. And in that, it just purposes our presence, our moment this day for the sake of his glory. And as, as we walk this earth, oh, well, Jesus. And so um, I think that it's extraordinarily pertinent what we will sing about today um, in the summer in the Psalms. Um, if you have a scripture, I want to land in Psalm 119 and um, talk about the reality and power of what it means um, to be oriented toward the things of Christ and to say to the Lord, God, let it purpose my life, this midnight cry, um, this heart for who you are. And so I'm just sitting in the room kind of uh, thinking about the, the statement that I have today. It's not original with me. Um, the statement or thought is that as your attention goes, so will go your life. This statement was spoken into my life about 12 or 15 years ago, just sitting in a room with some friends and um, we were listening to Andy Stanley speak and I just was blown away by this thought and reality. I want to sing the song of attention toward the things of Christ. And so we're, we're sitting in the room with um, friends that I've already introduced who um, you don't land in the position of, um, I think I want to go and um, fly in remote parts of the world for the sake of the gospel of Jesus, just kind of random on the day you woke up and had a biscuit and thought that might happen. Um, it, it happens over a season of life. We're just kind of saying, Jesus, you have my attention. You have my passion. You have my heart. I want to be about who you are. And so, Lord, uh, my attention is leading me directionally here. Um, Brian, you don't, you don't write what BR wrote yesterday. Brian is a good friend of both of ours. I've I'm like Ryan, I watched him as he was a nine-year-old guy, and I read yesterday with such kingdom joy and such kingdom heartbreak as Ryan wrote of his diagnosis and his, his impending future. You don't land at that moment of diagnosis and go, okay, I'm going to pull up the bootstraps now and be tough for everyone. You land there because your attention has been on the life-giving purpose and passion of Jesus Christ for years. So when that moment's hit, you're just sitting and going, if Jesus, it's kind of a Pauline moment, kind of a Paul moment in Philippians, where he's just kind of looking and saying, if Jesus leaves me here, glory. If Jesus takes me, glory. Whatever Jesus does with me, glory. And I want to, here's his prayer. I want to glory in Christ through whatever is brought my way as far as treatment. Like, oh. And he wrote a little more about it. And I just was going, you don't, you don't, you don't react to that in that manner um, haphazardly. It's about your attention today. I, uh, I don't know if Rick Wheeler's in the room. If he is, he can wave at me. But Rick is, uh, Rick is walking through a season right now, and I wanted to open our time together just praying that Jesus would focus our attention and also praying for this network of churches that we're a part of. We have the great thrill um, to share in the denominational life in this city with 217 um, churches who are just one in heart and moving for the sake of the gospel. And, um, and we have the thrill of having Rick in our church. Rick is the leader of the Jacksonville Baptist Association, and I'm really thankful for him. Recently, God did something beautiful in Rick's ministry because um, his right-hand guy, Josh Dreyer, um, said goodbye to Jacksonville and hello to the Keys for the sake of the gospel. And, I, you know, that's, if you have to say hello to someplace, I'm not sure... 
keys, it's yes, Jesus. And so his yes was on the table. And so, um, but Josh is, uh, is going um, to work with the church in the keys. And um, so Rick has just said goodbye to that. And then one of the most powerful moments, I've, um, I've had the great privilege of sharing a friendship with one of um, what is now uh, Rick's um, staff members. His name is Mike Reed. And Mike, uh, Mike just said goodbye to his wife yesterday. And, and one of the most poignant um, exchanges that he shared both on social network and he wrote me personally yesterday and just said, Mark, I've just said goodbye to her. And I, I, I just felt like we should pause and pray for the JBA network. One of the most beautiful moments that Mike wrote about was, um, uh, and I'm going to butcher it, but he just basically wrote and said, there's something powerful when you're ministering to your wife in her last day. And rather than you providing ministry, she holds your face and begins to pray for you. Because she sees the grief that you hold and yet the hope that you hold together in Christ. And I, I wanted to pray um, specifically for uh, our network of churches and for Rick Wheeler as he walks through an extraordinary season of life and ministry as he has opportunity to um, share love and grace toward a staff member who's gone on mission and love and grace to a staff member who will walk in a completely different manner for the next season. And so... Um, if you would join with me in prayer, and then we're going to, we are right now fixing our attention here. Jesus, you are the author and you're the perfecter of our faith, and we love you, Lord. God, you are our attention, and I pray that you would harness our attention for the next few moments. And God, we would, we would fix our eyes on you, for Jesus, you are good. And your love, it endures, and it endures forever. God, I, I have just um, shared a varying ways that our attention is on you. And so, Lord, I pray for the attention and wisdom for Rick as he gives guidance to the JBA network. God, I pray that you would give him wisdom for future staff. And God, I pray for Mike and for his family. And I pray for Rick and for the JBA family as they um, just literally put their arms up under Mike and hold him up in these days. God, I have grown to love this man, and I thank you for him, and I praise you for his ministry and his heart and his hope. And Holy Father, I pray in this season of mourning and this season of incredible sorrow that you are a good shepherd. And God, I, I just join in, in the Hebrew word for praise and saying, God, I thank you in advance for how you are going to walk through this season. And you're going to be faithful and present and God, the thing I have observed from Mike and from his family is that their attention has been fixed on you for decades. And so, Jesus, I pray that your grace would be sufficient. Because it is. And so, Lord, I praise you for what we hold within us in the midst of trials and in the midst of pain and in the midst of sorrow, and in the midst of suffering, Paul tells us in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans that out of all of those, you begin to produce some beautiful things in us whose attention is locked on you. And God, you produce endurance and character and promise, and you produce your life within us. And God, your life within us, it is hope. And I love this verse, Lord. And that hope that we hold in you, it does not disappoint. And so, Jesus, I pray for our attention today. I pray for this body that's gathered under this roof this morning. God, I pray that you would capture us for your glory. That you would hold our attention. 
that God, you would set us before you and that you would work within us in unprecedented ways for the sake of your glory. And God, I pray that the song that echoes out of this room this morning is the song of the goodness of your face, of the longing of your breath within our lives that fills our lungs for the sake of your glory. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you in glory and wonder in it all. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I, I wrote, um, well, I didn't write this. Um, Jesus said this. I wrote the scripture down, though. Matthew 6.33 kind of sets my heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the rest will be provided for you. This is just an attention-grabbing reality for Jesus. Here's what I want you to sing about. I want you to sing about this. I want you to seek first who I am. And I want you to seek first my kingdom. And I want you to seek first my life and the rest of your life will line up. It will be provided for you. Jesus writes this in the context of concern about food, worries, um, how you're going to make it, where you're going to live, where's this going to take us, how are we going to eat, how are we going to feed our children. And I'm quite confident I have two friends in the room that continue to ask that question on an ongoing basis. And Jesus says some really encouraging words to us. Here's what I want you to know. Just seek me first and I'll provide the rest. And if I could just speak that into your life as you hesitantly open hands, hearts, and mouths to Jesus to say, Lord, or maybe many of us in this room aren't hesitant. We're throwing everything into his attention and for his glory. And we're just kind of saying, Lord, we're seeking you. Here's what he says on the backside of that. I will provide. I want your attention and I want to be your focus and I want to be your life and I, I will provide for you. And I, I wrote this question for mainly for myself. Has anything in, gained your heart in such a way that it, it distracted you from things that deserved attention? Now, I could list like, yeah, my list would be long. Of the things that distract my heart from what God says, Mark, I've got your provision I'm very easily distracted and I'm very much impassioned to continuously come back to the Lord. And this sermon is primarily for me, church. So if you'll just make your way through it, I return to these verses often because I truly want to be attentive to the things of Christ. Um, I, I thought of this example. It's kind of weak. But last night, um, and mom and dad, you may actually have this, but uh, I played football for a season of life. I stopped when the guys got really big. Like around ninth or 10th grade, that was it. I was done. I'm like, I'm a lover, not a hitter. This is not good. This, I'm seeing pain extracted on the field. But dad, you'll vividly remember this story. And if you don't, I hope you remember it as I do because I'm pretty accurate on this story. But um, I, was, I was 12 or 13 years old and I was playing for the West Mecklenburg Indians and uh, a peewee league where we hadn't won a lot of games and we started winning this year. And I actually have this jacket that I couldn't find. They, we, I've kept it. Because we actually won the city, the city of Charlotte that year. It was pretty exciting. None of you are nearly as excited as I am right now. Yes, thank you so much. And so um, but there was one particular game that I was distracted a little bit. I was, um, I was truly injured on this first play. Kind of hit my knee a little bit. Didn't know how bad it was. Got carted off the field. I'm going off the field, Matt. You may have experienced this being a ball player yourself. I'm going off the field. And um, all of a sudden in the background to my right, I hear this sound. And it's a beautiful sound. Every one of us sit here that it goes something like this. Two, four, six, and eight. And they start singing it. Who do we appreciate? Mark. 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 And I'm telling you, the cheerleaders are doing this. I saw heaven radiating. 
My injury was healed. It was beautiful. I was, I was a relatively decent player. So after a couple plays, the coach was like, you okay? You know, this is nothing to brag about. These are the, these are the glory days, the olden days. I played with the leather helmet, no face mask. And so, um, you know, they're like, going back in, son, you'll be fine. And so I went back in, and then um, just a couple minutes later, I had this injury that happened, and all of a sudden, th- th- it started again. Two, four, six, and eight. I'm waving. I'm going off the field. <laughs> waving at the girl on the end. And sadly, it wasn't Susan. She, I would have waved at you, honey. But, it's every, I mean, I'm just... And then I get back in, three plays later, I'm going off. The fourth time that I come out, it's going down. Two, four, I mean, they're like growing weary on it. This side B of that, eight, four, six, two, we don't wish, we wish you'd quit. Just stop. The coach, Keith Porter is his name, coach literally said, just go sit with the cheerleaders. (laughs) My dad is, is not known for subtlety. And so he just walks over. I don't think anybody really saw you walk over. I'll never forget what he whispered in my ear. He leaned down and he said these words. Hey, son, if you come off the field again, there better be blood or an ambulance involved. (laughs) I heard no 2468 from my dad. He was kind of calling me in and harnessing my attention a little bit, which he's quite gifted at to this day. You want to kiss Chad? You want to go? Here we go, Chad. Here we go. Thank you. So he's, re- he's really gifted at kind of drawing me back in. And I, I think some of us really invite that reality. We're distracted. You know, I don't, we're looking at cheerleaders. That doesn't sound good. Um, it's very politically incorrect. We're distracted. We're looking at the things that are attracting us from everything but Jesus. And Jesus is coming along and saying, look, right here, this is what I want you to be about. And I know there is a game going on on the field. You're integral to this deal. You're moving heaven forward. And yet here you are sitting among a group of people that they're fine. They're doing job. They're doing their job. That's not where you belong. That's not what you're about. And I have no doubt that many of us in this room right now are dealing with attention issues. And we are truly, as we walk out of here and even in this moment, sitting in circles where we don't belong. And the Lord is just coming in and saying, I want to draw your attention toward me because what you're attentive toward will lead you to what you're going to be about. And here's what I want you to be about. I want you to be about more than some temporal cheers on this earth. I want you to be attentive to what's going on on the playground and on the activities of what I am about. And I want you to move your life there for the sake of the glory of the cross. And I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. As your attention goes, and I believe that this is fully biblical, found in Psalm 119. As your attention goes, so goes your life. The words that describe attention that are the descriptors for that are really aggressive. You know, if you'll, you can think of your own. Some of the ones I wrote down, it grabs your attention. It captures your attention. Your attention is gained. These are the words that Paul, not Paul, these are the words that David are writing, writing about as he's saying, look, your attention will be captured by some things. I want them to be captured by things that matter. I think every one of us, and this works both ways as we think about attention. It can work for us, it works against us. Everyone in this room has things, situations, or people that we wish had not captured our attention. Wish it hadn't grabbed it. We've spent money that we wish had not captured our attention. 
We've put a post up. We've walked through a journey. We've done things that we wish had not captured our attention. We've made relationship decisions that we wish had not captured our attention. Well, we did it, and it shapes the direction. As your attention goes, so goes your life. There's a, there's a particular word that I would say is true. My parents can become the amen corner on this. There's a particular word for me that has, uh, was a moniker of the entirety of my life and should be today. I, I just should put this on the mirror, write it across the mirror of my life. Um, my teachers said these words to me. Uh, my coaches said these words to me. Bless their hearts. My parents said these words to me. Here's what was came out of their mouth. Pay attention. Pay attention, Mark. Pay attention, son. Pay attention, Siegel. Run a lap. Pay attention. Listen to this. Pay attention. Why did my coach, why did my parents, why did they use the word pay attention? Why did my math teacher, for heaven's sake, compel to use this word pay? Here's what I would say to you as we prepare to study the scripture. Pay implies a price. Our, our family has been reading the Proverbs um, on our time away, and we'll continue throughout the month of July just reading it together. And I'm telling you, the Proverbs map this out. And here's what I shared one night because it was just laid out. I said, I'm going to preach about this in a week and a half, so you can kind of hear the preview right now. Here's what you have to know. You will pay for what has your attention right now. And then Solomon literally wrote, was writing this out. You're either going to pursue life or you're going to pursue death. You're either going to be captured by the word or you're going to be captured by your personal emotions. You just kind of over and over, it just keeps saying to us through, you know, 14 or 15 chapters now, you are going to go in only one of two directions. So pay attention. And so here's what I would say to you before we dig into scripture. Pay attention to what has your attention. And I think chances are that very few people have said that that calls us lately. To, it demands our attention. You have to pay attention to what matters most. Moses said this to the people. In Deuteronomy 7, 12, he said, if you listen or interpret it a different way, if you pay attention to and are careful to keep the ordinances, the Lord your God will keep his covenant loyalty with you as he swore to your fathers. Pay attention. As your attention goes, so goes your life. I just started reading Psalm 119. I'm going to land in verses 35, 36, and 37 and close, making some closing points and remarks out of the scripture. But I just started reading about the attention of Psalm 119. I, I, by no means is this comprehensive. You feel free to read about the attention called for in Psalm 119. Here's the descriptions when it comes to the word. You should seek it. The word of God should be sought by you. Pay attention. It should be treasured. Your life should be a walk in the attention to the word of Christ. And so these are my questions right now. Has the word of Christ grabbed your attention? Has it harnessed your attention? Has it guarded your attention? You will pay for what has your attention. So he just he carries on. He says, I want you to walk in this, this, this beautiful word that I have for you. I want to run in this word. I want you to delight in the word of Christ. I want you to keep the word of Christ. I want you to cling to the word of Christ. I want you to long for the word of Christ. I want the word of Christ to rebuke you when you are paying attention to the wrong things. And it may whisper in your ear, if you come back off that field again, son... That's what the word of Christ does for us. It kind of speaks into our life words of rebuke and to say, look, I know that you're sitting where you shouldn't be sitting this morning. And it's not coming to condemn you. It's coming to convict you and draw you into the attentive life of God in Christ. What a beautiful thing. 
So we should be looking right now, if you, could, if you could ignore me for a few moments, just look to the Lord and say to him, I want to begin in this moment to pay attention to you. You have my attention. So teach me, Lord, what it means to be rebuked by you, to be pursuing you, to be taught about you, to help me, Lord, to remember you. It is life. I love um, Luther when he wrote, the word is alive and it speaks to me. It has feet and it runs after me. It has hands. The word of Christ holds me. It captures me. It harnesses me. It grabs my attention. So what, what, what are you paying attention to? In Psalm 119, verse 35 through 37, are some extraordinarily good verses. Help me, verse 35 says. I enjoy a different translation of that word. Direct me to stay on the path of your commands. For I take pleasure in it. Direct me, Lord, to stay on the path of your commands. For there's pleasure there. If we could have a memory verse to roll out of the day, it would be verse 37. Verse 36 says, Turn my heart to your decrees, not to dishonest profit. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worth less. Give me life in your ways. And it's translated a second way. In fact, if I'm reading the CSB version at the bottom, it says, and I like this better, give me life in your word. Give me life in something bigger than what I'm currently feeling, in some, um, something larger than my current circumstance, something more than what I'm going through right now. Lord, give me life that is rooted and established in your word. Because as your attention goes, so goes your life. The scriptural cry for attention is happening in verse 37. He says, God, please turn my eyes from worthless things. Why would he ask that or make that statement? Because we are super prone to turn to things that are worthless. We are extraordinarily prone to end up sitting in the middle of cheerleaders when we're to be at the ball field, ambitioned for the sake of the kingdom of Christ, and we're sitting over going, she's cute. The Lord's going, that's awesome. Let's mobilize out where I have you and what you have trained to do and what your purpose is. And so I want to move you back. I want to draw your attention back. I want you to be about what I am about. As your attention goes, so goes your life. I mean, David, who wrote this, of all people, would know about the two sides of this attention. He wrote in extraordinary moments, he lived out this, where he walked up and the attention of everyone was away from the living God and on a very large person. David walked up and saw a great God and saw a small giant. He just simply turned his attention to the greatness of God and not to the stature of a small giant. And I would tell you that that was of worth. His life in that moment was of worth. And looking around when he became king for the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of the living God, he looked around and realized we've allowed this to be absent from us for a long season of life. We've allowed it to live among the Philistines. And so he went and, and followed the word of God. And that's a whole sermon, but he followed the passion of the word of Christ to bring the presence of God back among the people of God for the sake of the glory of God. Oh, that that would harness our attention to say, God, we can't gather without the tangible presence of your spirit bringing us together as one for your glory. Okay, that was a huge amen moment for the church. 
God, we cannot imagine gathering together without you gathering among us and drawing us to yourself. And we will celebrate jubilantly. It was a moment of revelry for him. And when we really are singing about all of creation, shouting of the wonder of God, the rocks crying out of the wonder of God, and we really do say, so will I. And we really do shout about the, the, the wonder of our failures falling at the feet of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we begin to shout, that if you have conquered the grave, so will I. We begin to be a people who are saying to God, we worship you, Lord. We told on you. You are good. And we're thankful for you. And you have our attention. And if all earth cries out for you, so will I. And David knows much about loss of focus as well. As he's grieving over the depth of his sin in Psalm 51, he, he says this is worth less. It is worth so much less than the presence of the living God. And he says these words, good words for us. Search me, O Lord. Search my heart for things that are not of worth. You formed me, God, and you made me for more than this. You know my ways. Give me a clean heart, O Lord. Purify me, and in doing so, you will have captured my attention, and I will be living in a steadfast manner. I am living all over the map right now, David would say in Psalm 151. My emotions have carried me to very far corners that I never dreamed that I would go. This could be true of many, if not every one of us in this room. I have been carried to places I never dreamed I would go. So, oh Lord, if you would harness my attention again and capture me, for the sake of your glory. At the end of verse 37, he says, preserve my life in your ways, or said differently, preserve my life in your word. I don't want to end up in the stage of life and sit around and have this chat with Susan. How do we get here? How do we land in this place? What are we doing here? Why are we here? I want to land in places and say, oh God, we're in the middle of who you are. I have turned my eyes from worthless things. I know that as my attention goes, so goes my life. And so, God, here's what I want to do. I want to preserve my life in your word. I want your word to harness and capture and guide me. I want to turn my eyes. Just listen to this. I'm going to read it two or three times. Turn my eyes from looking at things that are worthless. Give me life in your ways. Give me life in your word. Lord, turn my eyes from being about things that are worthless. Give me life in the ways of your truth. Give me life in your word. Oh God, that you would turn my eyes from the things that are not of worth. They are worth less than you. So give me life in the essence and the heart of your word. And Father, I will walk in the fullness in the paths of your commands. As your attention goes, so goes your life. I, I love this truth. Give me life in your word because it, it moves us out of some limited self-determination. And it moves us into something far greater than what we have determined for ourselves. It moves us into the fullness of the scripture and what God has for us. The scripture says it this way, fix your eyes on Jesus, look straight ahead. Solomon wrote it this way, let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet. As your attention goes, so goes your life. Carefully consider the path of your feet. 
Lord, I want to walk in the paths of your commands. Hebrews 12 says it this way. Keep or fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the source and the perfecter of our faith. And finally, Jesus amplified this truth in Matthew 6. I started in Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 22 and 23 leads us up to 33. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. It seems like an attention verse. The eye is a lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, if your gaze is fixed on Christ, it lights up the entirety of your life. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. It seems to me in reading that scripture in the words of Jesus that what we're attentive to has significant repercussions in our life. And what you're attentive to, as, as your attention goes, so goes your life. So what gains your attention? Attention. Jesus is saying, what you see, what holds your, hold your gaze, it is the lantern of your life. It leads your way. If you're about things of worth, if your eyes are good, wholesome, purposed, focused, pure, fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter, then you will not only have the light of Christ within you and guiding your steps, but you will be the light for many around you. How awesome is that statement? You not only will have your attention fixed on Jesus, but others will be able to see Christ in you and know that as their hope of glory as well. What a beautiful reality for us. We need a heavenly Father who will lean into our lives and whisper through the helmet hole that we have, I want you in the midst of what I am attentive toward. I want you in the middle of the playing field for my glory. I want you to run in the paths of my commands. I want you to delight in who I am. I want to capture your attention because I believe that who I am is of worth. And what has your attention has your life. Step in with attention. Step in for glory. Step in for, I love this. So this moves my heart. It may not move yours because I like cheers. Step in for an eternal cheer that is filled with the weight of glory, the hope of the eternal, the attention to the soul wonder of Christ because that eternal cheer, it won't be about me. That eternal cheer will be the one that I join with as we lift up the cross and the wonder and the resurrection of the living Christ. It will draw men, women, and children. It will draw many to the wonders of the glory of the cross. And if that can gain attention through me and through you, we will have lived and done well. May that capture us for the sake of glory. Pay attention. For we, we will pay for what has our attention. And as our attention goes, so goes our life. Yes? Lord, I pray that you would turn our eyes from worthless things. That instead you would turn our hearts toward you. And that God, you would allow us the encouraging privilege of walking in the fullness of who you are. God, I pray that you had lifted our attention a bit today. I pray that you have done some, some beautiful things that only your Holy Spirit can do. God, I pray that for many of us, including myself, you have drawn me back to yourself. You've drawn me back to things that deserve and demand my attention. God, I pray that you have whispered into my ear of things that are drawing me away from you. And God, you have fixed my heart and eyes on 
Jesus. God, I pray for this room, that it will be a room of people who have been attracted, who have been captured for the attention of Christ. God, I pray that life would flow in this room as we turn our hearts more toward you. Jesus, I pray as we conclude a service that it would be far from over in this moment. But that some of us would lift our hearts out before you. And thank you, Lord, that we have your attention. And we would just begin to say to you, search me, Lord. Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Search me, Lord, and know things that have gained attention that don't deserve it, that are worthless. Purify me, Jesus. Draw me back to worth, to eternal. Capture our attention, Jesus. We tend to close our services just in song and prayer. Some of our pastors and staff are gathered here at the front. We would love to pray with you, to pray for you. For some of you, God has captured your attention perhaps for the first time. And you would like to just talk with a pastor either during the song or after the service. We will be here. Some of you really want to bypass what Scripture teaches. Just bypass a pastor and kneel before the Lord. The scripture tells us there is no mediator between God and men except Jesus himself. So we welcome you to an open altar as well as we close the service and song. To just worship, to turn your attention, to plead with the Lord, to make some agreements with Him, to have a season of confession and joy. And so Jesus, we give you our attention for the next few moments that will lead to the next few hours, that will lead to the days, that will lead to the years. God, I pray that you would capture us for your glory. Would you stand with me? Would you worship with me? If you need to come and kneel, do that. If you need to come and pray, do that. Just turn your attention to Jesus himself.